0: Welcome to Connection Point Church, and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. So glad you've joined us today for a missions weekend. Praise the Lord. An opportunity we try to every other month uh, take a focus on our opportunity to reach the world. Uh, it's not only an opportunity, but it's part of our responsibility as followers of Christ. And it's, uh, But it's, uh, it's a wonderful responsibility. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I had shared that uh, James and Sarah... Uh, made it back overseas, so I want to show you a couple of pictures. We were in the airport, Chicago O'Hare, there they are, loaded up with their kiddos. But now those are only some of the luggage. So the next picture is, there it is. So that's what it looks like to move internationally. So we got them all checked in and they are there. Uh, if you're with them on Facebook, then they're posting some of the, the updates of what's happening in their lives there as they're starting to figure out life on the ground. Uh, so it looked like apparently Sarah really likes to drink milk. So she actually had James buy, cause you can only buy it like in liters and so that wasn't enough. So you can buy it like, you know, off of the back of carts, but then you got to pasteurize You got to boil it yourself and, but they're putting on in the effort there. You've got their full gallon of milk and it's, uh, they're figuring out life. So it's awesome. So thanks for being a part of sending them, you know, our responsibility or opportunity and missions is both to pray, to give and to go. So praise the Lord that we're a part of ascending body. And uh, we've got the Ritters who are preparing to go to India. And, uh, and I believe even with what's shared here today, that there could be some stirrings in your own hearts of, Lord, do you want me to go? Uh, we're all admonition, we are, are are all responsible to pray, we're all responsible to give, and some of us will go. And so the question is, what is God asking of you? And so to this morning, as we celebrate our missions weekend, we get to hear from Joanne Butrin. She is the Regional Director for International Ministries. So it's nine different ministries that reach the world in, in lots of different ways. And so she's going to share about what that looks like. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity. So I just want to say thank you for being a, a church that is a heart for the nations. And we just get to celebrate that today. So can we welcome Joanne as she comes?
1: you. God bless you. Good morning. I got all kinds of things here with me and don't worry I'm not packing my bags to leave just yet. What a joy to be here today. You know um, a lot of my colleagues and friends have been here to speak in your mission services and they have all said you're gonna love it and so far they have been absolutely right. There's nothing like walking into a church that leads missions and that's you. I mean, your heart, you can tell with everything you have going on with the number of missionaries that you welcome, how beautiful it is for us as missionaries. And you know what, I I look at your website, I hear what you're doing, I see that you're working in your Jerusalem here, you're reaching out, you're doing community things, you're taking care of those around you. And yet you have more than 80 missionaries or ministries that you support around the world. That's incredible. And as part of World Missions Leadership, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mac and Shelley, Zach and Shelley, for your heart in leading the church the way that you do. I remember them when they were with us at missions and what great missionaries they were and how fortunate you are to have them as your, your pastors, right? I know that you know that. <clears throat> I've had a wonderful life as a missionary. If you could ask me if I'd go back and and do something different, I don't know that I would. I have started out in missions in, in Congo, Africa, when I had just turned 22. God called me to be a missionary when I was just a kid. My dad was a pastor, and we had a lot of missionaries staying in our home, and I think that sort of softened my heart. So when I was just a kid praying around the altar, I was called. I told my parents I'm going to be a missionary nurse in Africa, and they said, that's nice, dear. <laughs> Pat me on the head, you know. and. When I grew up and was in Springfield going to Bible college, I went to the Division of Foreign Missions, as they called it then, and I said, God's called me to be a nurse in Africa, and they more or less said, that's nice, dear, too. (laughs) Basically, they said, hey, you haven't finished college, you haven't had a job, you haven't really proven yourself yet, why don't you come back in five years and we'll consider it? Well, you know, five years sounds like a long time when you're young, doesn't it? And I, I remember thinking... I'll be an old maid if I wait that long. (laughs) Well, that happened anyway. But (laughs) uh, I just kept knocking on their door. And so finally they said, we need a nurse out in the country of Congo. There I went. And that was 14 years of the most amazing experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. I didn't know what I was doing half the time. I had to learn language. I had to learn. uh, They didn't need a nurse, they needed a doctor. And so I ended up doing doctor things that I was ill-prepared for. But you know, my dad had been a divine healing evangelist And I had seen him pray for people and have them rise up and walk, literally. And so we began to pray for people in that little clinic. And you know, word got out. Not only do they have good medicine there, but God is there as well, doing miracles and things. And that has just been so beautiful, to be a spirit-filled health professional, counting on the power of God when there's so little I can often do um, medically. You know, world missions in, in our denomination of the Assemblies of God take such good care of our missionaries. We're going to have a speed the light meeting later, and I want to tell you that when I went out to Africa, the young people of my district bought for me a bright, shiny red two, uh, two-third ton pickup truck with dual wheels on the back, four-wheel drive, and a wench on the front to pull me out of the mini mud holes that I got stuck in, that's a dream of every girl's heart to have a truck like that. I'll tell you, and I just was so appreciative. My the women's ministries filled my house with all of our household goods um, when I needed some bandages. I wrote to the girls' ministries and said, hey, could you collect some band-aids and bandages for me? Do you know I had to write and say, don't send anymore? Because we could have band-aided the entire world <laughs> with what they sent. When when I need uh, eyeglasses, and by the way, if any of you have any old eyeglasses at home, I don't know why we saved them, but we do, and you wanted to bring them, throw them in a box and send them to us, We love to have them so we can get them out to somewhere in the world where people can't afford glasses and they could use yours. We have a whole team in our office uh, who takes care of them when they come in, reads the script, and then uh, sends them on out. So uh, I have to tell you, this lady I ran into in Peru, we gave her a pair of glasses and she read the little card and she jumped up off her chair, knocked her chair over, started dancing around in a circle and when she finally quieted down, we're like, so why are you so happy? And she said, I've been praying for seven years for a pair of glasses, and today God has answered my prayer. Isn't it amazing? The simple thing that you don't even need anymore can touch uh, the life of someone else. As I travel around the world, I realize that... Um, so many of the things that we see are treatable or preventable rather by simple things like hand washing and, and good sanitation. And so, uh, Lord just inspired me to write a little book a lot of years ago for kids. And it's, it's just got mostly pictures, but it shows kids how to wash their hands, even if they don't have much water, even if they don't have soap, how to make a toothbrush if they don't have one. And if you know how to do that, <laughs> if you don't, you could check out this book. But, um, <clears throat> So I ask our boys and girls of the Assemblies of God, uh, many of them who put money in little banks, you know, buddy barrel banks uh, at Sunday school. Anyway, I wrote and said, could the children of, of our churches help me with this? And I was shocked when I received $30,000 from the kids. I was able to put this book in four languages. Now over the years, it's gone into 18 languages of the world. Isn't it beautiful? Our kids helping other kids be healthy. And it also tells them how to meet Jesus as well. So thanks, moms and dads, for those quarters and dimes you give the kids uh, to be able to touch people's lives in many places of the world. After I was uh, in Congo, I joined our medical missions program and traveled for 18 years around the world doing um, medical intervention, health education, uh, community health things, and caring for people in need. You know, I could see when a, a mother carried a baby into the little clinic area, I could just look at her face and know that she's got one sick baby in her arms the fear, the terror. Maybe this mom had already lost a couple of kids from the same thing this child has. And, you know, over the years, be we able to take a little baby like that in my arms and to look at the mom and say, you know, we're going to get the fever down before you leave. We're go- we got some medicine that'll, f- that'll help. I think your baby's going to be okay. And then to see the change, on that mother's face and to to be able to put my arm around her and say and could i spend a few more minutes to tell you about a jesus who loves you and wants to change your life and you know just time after time we've been able to see people come to jesus we do this in the context of a local church if there is one so that they can follow up now we've changed our methodology a little bit we don't give out medicines like that anymore but i do want to share with you in a few minutes some new ways that we are impacting the health of people around the world. One time I was in Bangladesh and um, when we went to Bangladesh, the missionaries were very nervous about having an American team there. And they said, whatever you do, just be low profile. Don't make a lot of noise. Don't, you know, show yourselves a lot. We'll just go do our thing, see how it goes. So we were out in a remote part of Bangladesh it was hot we were covered from head to toe it was a Muslim area they weren't so happy that we were there but they wanted some medical help so this little man came in who was led in he was blind he could see just forms but not clearly and I noted that he had cataracts and we had no way to help him so I told him we have no way to help you but we do know a God who answers and we were told we couldn't witness about Jesus but we could pray for people because the Muslims there and appreciated prayer So I told him I knew I served a God who healed. Could I pray? I stood over him and I prayed. And just like the many people before him, nothing happened. So my interpreter said, I think we need to pray again. I don't know why, but we should. So we stood over him and we prayed. And this man, before the prayer was done, said, I can see. I can see. And so I opened my eyes and he said, I can see your face. And he could count fingers. Well, you know, it's just hard to be quiet about something like that. So we were shouting, he was shouting, the interpreters were shouting, and we're like, we lost our low-profile status in that community. But, you know, this man who was blind came in blind and went out saying to everybody, I can see, I can see. And those people said, what God is this? Who can do that and so the missionary that was there said, let's tell (laughs) them and they did they told him about Jesus and then later came back with literature and I understood a few years after that a church was planted in that place God using a miracle sometimes that's what it takes is just God showing up in a miraculous way whatever way he shows up people's lives are touched and changed well a few years ago then Our executive director of World Missions asked me if I would be willing to put on a few more hats and join the leadership team of our World Missions program. And that was such an honor, I I couldn't even imagine. So I did. I became the first woman to join the the 12 men that sit around the table (laughs) to make decisions about our World Missions program. And what a joy that has been for me. My title is director of international ministries. And you may wonder what those are. There are nine ministries that actually serve the entire world. So if a missionary or um, national needs something from us, they'll contact one of our ministries and we'll go and spend time training, offering resources, whatever it is that they need. Probably you've heard of um, most of these ministries, I imagine. Builders International, for example, helps churches that have builders want to go build something somewhere in the world, helps them get to a project We have a a ministry called Oral Learners Initiative. Now, how many of you have a cell phone? I suppose I should say, does anybody not have one? (laughs) Because I know we all have them. Do you know that almost everybody in the world has a cell phone these days? It's just amazing. Um, Sometimes I love this thing. It just helps me so much, helped me get here this morning. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I find them very frustrating too. This, this one will call people. I mean, I could be standing here gooing this and it will call somebody <laughs> that I don't intend to call. Do any of you have that problem? But anyway, we decided, why don't we use technology to bring glory to the Lord and to help people who don't read be able to study the Bible? Let me show you a little video that will explain this even better than I can, Oral Learners Initiative.
2: Over five billion people do not know Jesus. Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Animists, and Atheists, living and dying without Christ. Many of these live in oral societies. Although they might have a basic education, they prefer to communicate as their societies have communicated for thousands of years, by talking to one another. These oral societies will not be reached with literature or printed Bibles. They can be reached only by the spoken word. They learn by listening. But how can we plant churches in these hard-to-reach places? Where can we find pastors to go into these unreached societies, many of which are primitive without electricity or running water? The answer is simple. You raise up leaders within these communities and teach them to pastor. Unfortunately, most of these oral learners whom God has called have minimal reading skills. They will never qualify to attend Bible school or be able to take traditional correspondence courses. How then can these oral learners ever be equipped to pastor? The answer may surprise you. They can receive Bible Institute training right on their own mobile phones. The Maasai are a primitive people living in mud huts in Kenya and Tanzania. Yet almost every family has access to a mobile phone. You can see Maasai warriors standing on hillsides watching their herds of cattle and chatting on their mobile phones. This story can be told over and over around the world as there are now more mobile phones than people on the planet. The Oral Learners Bible Institute is creating an entire three-year Bible school made up of video lessons produced in the students' own language. Lessons are delivered to them on small micro SD memory cards. The student places the memory card into their own mobile phone. Now they can watch the video lessons over and over again at their convenience, even without mobile phone coverage or internet access. Imagine what would happen if a single church discipled just two church planters to start new churches in their own communities. And then these two church planters each discipled two more church planters. In just ten years, the one church would have become at least 100 churches. Now picture thousands of churches around the world, training pastors and planting new churches. Within 30 years, there could be over one million new churches. The Oral Learners Bible Institute, Olby, training pastors to plant churches all over the world.
1: Isn't that wonderful? I know, it's just it's it's amazing um, what the Lord is able to do with technology these days. You know, global universities as pastor said um They often can take uh, Bible training to people online, but some places, like Cuba, it's uh, impossible for people to get online or it's unaffordable. And so the young people, the Speed the Light young people, have provided money for tablets such as this. Uh, Kindles and and other kinds of tablets and global universities been able to load all their coursework Bibles textbooks everything on these and then take them in so once again our young people are, are helping us be able to do this kind of ministry And I believe they will be also uh, helping us with some of the technology involved with training locals to do the uh, mobile phone technology. So praise God for what he's doing through technology today. We just are so grateful. Global Initiative is another international ministry reaching Muslim people, and they are training people all over the world to reach their Muslim friends. We have a part of that ministry that's called Say Hello, which is targeting women to reach Muslim women and and giving them ideas of how to form friendships and relationships with Muslims around them. Jacob's Hope is our ministry to Jewish people. And we are working wherever there are large concentration of Jewish folks, primarily, of course, in Israel, but also in Ethiopia. There are about 100,000 Jews there. And we're working through a women's empowerment program there, a lot of HIV-positive women. So we help them to get a piece of equipment or to buy some goods that they can sell. And then they reinvest that money and buy more and save more. And we teach them about saving. We teach them about Jesus. Jesus, and it's just a wonderful program there in Ethiopia. How many of you have heard of the Fire Bible? Maybe you have. Yes, that's that uh, Bible with Pentecostal study notes that is going into the languages of the people. They have 53 languages done now. And uh, hope to have uh, maybe six or more done by the end of this 2020 more uh, a distance, so we're thrilled about what's happening with them. Network Twenty One One is one you may or may not have heard of. It's an internet evangelism tool. So if you would go on, how many of you Google every day? <laughs> I don't know how we lived without Google, right? But if you were to Google loneliness, or maybe you were feeling suicidal and you and you Google, I feel like suicide, that will take you to a site called JourneyAnswers.com. And there you'll find a section that says, what about your loneliness? We have the answer. And then they they talk to them about how you can find relationship with Jesus. And there's a prayer they can pray. And if they do pray that prayer, they push a button. We can actually watch live on screen as people are saying, I prayed the prayer. And if you have Google Earth, you can actually see the Earth spin around to where somebody maybe in Saudi Arabia just said, I prayed the prayer. Then there's a place where they could mark. They want to be connected with someone who can help them in their spiritual journey. We have people all over the world waiting for them, and they get connected online, and then they try eventually to get them connected to a body of believers. Have you heard of that one before? It's an amazing. It's just amazing. There are millions of people coming to that. That site um, their goal is to have a hundred million unique visitors to that site in the next 10 years and I am sure they will do it and then the last international ministry is Royal Rangers International now I had to laugh when they asked me to umbrella that ministry because I didn't know much about Royal Rangers we have any Royal Rangers in the group <laughs> Well, that's our boys program for training boys um, in all kinds of things. And I used to think they trained them how to tie knots and go camping, and that's all they did. But they actually trained them how to grow up to be spiritual men of God. And in most countries of the world besides the US, girls are also in the Royal Ranger program. So I get to be on the International Council of Royal Rangers. And we're in 100 countries now, hoping to be in every country of the world. So I'm so, so amazed at how God put me in this position to be able to umbrella these amazing ministries, to travel with them, to work with them. I, I'm just so blessed. And I think if maybe you were listening, you heard that just about any talent or any skill that God has blessed you with can now be used in missions. You know, we need media people. We need computer people. We need tech people. I sat in a room with about 21 uh, candidate missionaries, and I asked them, you know, What's, what have you been doing? What are you going to do on the field? And in that group of 21, there was a heavy equipment operator, a civil engineer, an artist, a horse trainer, two nurses, and the others were from pastoral ministry. And every one of them was going to be using that talent or that skill in the missions assignment that they had. Isn't that wonderful? So, you know, it's like you are never, to, and their ages were from in their 20s to in their late 50s. So lest you sit there and think, well, I'm really too old. You're never too old, God, if God has something for you to do in missions in the world. I know that all of us are moved by the needs that we see we should be when you when you, when you see a TV program and sometimes they show the little kids with the big bellies and the flies and do, doesn't it do something to you I mean you you look at that and you want to help you, you do because we should we should all be moved first John 3 um, 15 to 17 says if you see your brother in, in need and you and you have no compassion on them it says how can the love of God even be in you so we as Christ followers obviously when we see suffering and need we should be moved and we should want to do something about it it goes on to say that we shouldn't just love with our words that we should love with our deeds as well so the word and the deed go hand in hand in what we call holistic ministry and I mentioned that we used to go around and and treat people and that was a good ministry I saw many people come to the Lord, but you know, after we left, I would worry: Did did that mother really understand how to give those medicines to her child? Um, did we just destroy the local health system because of our presence there? You know, and I had so many questions. So I began doing some reading and research, and we at at healthcare ministries decided to change our methodology a little bit. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if instead of us coming and doing the care, we actually just started training people on the ground, pastors, pastors, wives, evangelists, people who who had an opportunity to bless the lives of others. What if we trained them in basic first aid, in basic care? You know how many babies die at birth simply because there's nobody there to suction them or clear out their airway and just a little suction and a couple of puffs of air and they would survive. So we joined up with another group who's doing this. And uh, our team has been trained. And we are now ready to launch this new way of community uh, health. We've been doing community development projects all along. We come in, we do health education, we look for what the, the Uh, People are suffering from if it's diabetes, hypertension. We do training on that. We look at what their foods are We're actually in Springfield, Missouri growing fish in our backyard If you can imagine because we're trying to learn all we can about growing fish. We have rabbits. We have all kinds of agricultural projects We want to be able to help people have a way of making life better and of course in every circumstance As we administer holistically, we want to be able to come alongside of people in relationship and introduce them to Jesus. If there is a local church, we want to work through the local church so that the local church is the star, not us. We want them to be the ones that are reaching out to their community. So often, we'll train people in the church and let them minister out. So we put together this little kit. Uh, and I was showing the group last night, and then they thought maybe I should show you too. This is Compassion Link's first aid kit, but it's a little bit beyond a regular first aid uh, kit, because most first aid kits don't have a baby in it. <laughs> and we, we wanted to have babies to do demos, so we can show them how to suction the baby, how to put the little mask on, how to shoot a few puffs of air for the newborn. We um, talk to them, this baby will eventually have an umbilical cord and a placenta hanging from it. So we want to help them to do safe uh, deliveries. Now I'm talking about places in rural areas where they don't have access or very much access to medical care. So we'll be training the local people to do these things. There's a stethoscope, a sphyg, bandages, thermometers, suction things, all that. And we're going to buy these products in the country where we're working so that when stuff runs out or breaks, then it'll be up to the local church to be able to restock it. But we wanted to give them a starter kit, so that's gonna be part of our plan. We're doing that because we care about the whole person. We can go and preach, and we do, and we wanna always proclaim the message of Jesus, but we realize that that soul lives in a body, and that body might be hungry or thirsty, or suffering, or in pain. And we want to see what we can do to try to help. I have written a book uh, about some of these principles called uh, From the Roots Up. If you're interested, you could uh, take a look at that. I only have a few copies with me out in the lobby. But you will also see in my table, there's some jewelry. And the jewelry is in the form of a tree of life. Because uh, when we started changing from relief to a more of a development approach, we realized that what we were doing was so much more sustainable. It could go on after us. The gospel would go on after us. The health teaching would go on after us and the technologies that we teach. So we've been teaching for years now how to make a simple solar oven. The sun is often there and many people can save fuel and save money by simply building this little cardboard oven. Everything that we teach the, is made with locally available materials. So we teach about this solar oven, and <clears throat> we talk about the sun, and of course we relate it to Jesus the sun, and and we teach how to do it, give them a pattern, have them actually make them, and then have the church be able to teach others in the community. It's a great community draw for them. But the jewelry that I have, if you happen to give a donation to get some of that Tree of Life Jewelry, 100% of that money will go into being able to create and teach these kinds of technologies to people around the world. I know it probably sounds like a different way of doing missions. You know, we're always changing. We're always thinking. We're always asking the Holy Spirit, lead us into the best ways that we can serve people. Sometimes we as Americans tend to assume that we know. We assume what people need. We think, well, everybody needs a pair of shoes, right? So maybe we'll collect 400 pairs of shoes and send them somewhere. But maybe we forgot to think about the shoemaker locally or the, the uh, merchant locally who will lose all their business because nobody's buying shoes because free shoes came, you know. So we've started to try to think smart. Let the Holy Spirit lead us and do things that will really be sustainable down the road. I was in Zimbabwe, Africa. If any of you know of Zimbabwe, they've had such a struggle there. It's a very poor African country. They've had issues with leadership. And when the HIV uh, AIDS crisis came to Zimbabwe, it hit them really hard. They didn't have the relationships with some of the larger giving organizations, so the meds for uh, AIDS was slow in getting there. And one of the churches and missionaries asked us if we could come and train the church how to do HIV testing and counseling. So we got counselors and HIV people together. I went as well. And for 10 days we were there and our hearts broke because so many of the people that we tested tested positive. It was a very, very sad, sad time because we couldn't refer them to treatment at that time. We just knew that it was a death sentence. Well, people were coming in quite sick, and they were coming in wheelbarrows to where we were. I know it sounds funny, but somebody had donated a bunch of wheelbarrows. They didn't have ambulances or carts, so they just put people in wheelbarrows and wheeled them in, which I thought was really quite creative. (laughs) And so we kind of got used to people coming that way, but I looked out in in the churchyard, and here came a lady who was pulling a cart and there were two humps in the cart and so i walked over i was doing the triaging at the time and i i took the blankets back and there were these two ladies looking very emaciated and looking in very poor health zimbabwe used to be a british uh, colony and so a lot of people speak english and i said to the ladies what's your story and the mom was the one who was pulling them these two ladies Had both been married, their husbands had been unfaithful, had brought HIV home to them, infected them, and then their husbands had died. So this mom was trying to take care of these two sick sisters and their children. And uh, the one seemed to have uh, meningitis. She couldn't move her head much, and she had a fever. And the other one said that she was uh, vomiting a lot. So my heart just went out to these gals. I I just... didn't want to leave their side and I said to them well you know I don't know that there's a lot we can do for you but we I'd like to introduce you to the pastor the pastor wanted to start a uh, counseling group there in the church and have some places where people with HIV could come and process and be prayed for so I introduced them to the pastor and I said well we have a few things we can send home with you that might make you more comfortable and I began to talk to them uh, about Jesus and I asked him if they'd ever heard of Jesus and um of course I was there with the interpreter and the pastor and and they said uh they had heard his name but they didn't really know much about him. So in those few moments I just felt led to tell them who Jesus was. And and I would I really put a focus on, you know, when we have Jesus in our hearts, we'll go to heaven uh when we die. And I could tell they were very interested in that. I think they knew they didn't have long. And so I asked them, would you like to pray and receive Jesus into your heart? I'll lead you in a prayer. And they said yes. And so we began to pray. I took their hands, and in the middle of the prayer, the one that was vomiting threw up. Well, I stopped the prayer, and I I was kind of like, oh, what what have I done? What should I do? You know, got her cleaned up and got the situation. But I was second-guessing. Maybe they're too sick. Maybe I shouldn't have pushed this. Maybe I, I don't know what to do, you know. And the one who had thrown up, She pulled on the sleeve of my jacket and said, Doctor, would you mind finishing that prayer? And in those moments, those two ladies prayed to receive Jesus in their hearts. You know, I've led a lot of people to the Lord, but I think that was kind of like the most poignant moment of my missionary career to just have the privilege of being there. It could have been anyone. It could have been the pastor. I just happened to be able. You know what? That's what missions is about, folks. That's what you're about. and The mission people that you're sending around the world, this couple that you've just sent out, the others that you're sending, it's about them being present at the right time, at the right place, being able to share the name of Jesus. I was rejoicing that those ladies wouldn't have to stay around on earth because earth for them was not a very good place. But to know that they would be soon, in just a matter of weeks probably, in the arms of Jesus gave me such joy just to know. And I I, I went away from there sad for all those that tested positive, but praising God for all those that during our 10 days there prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Thank you. Thank you, Connection Point, for what you're doing to see people like myself being able to be present to lead someone into the kingdom of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You know, I take getting the privilege of speaking to you like this very seriously. Because when we ask missionaries how they were called to missions, most of them say they heard a missionary speak. And so this morning, very early this morning, I was praying and walking the floor of my hotel room saying, God, what do you have in mind for today? Is there someone, maybe more than one, in this audience that will want to say yes to you for mission's work? Truly all of us are supposed to be missional. We're supposed to be sharing our faith with those around us, and I trust that you are. But there is a very special calling, I believe, for those who would leave home leave their own culture, leave their people, and go somewhere else. Maybe another state for U.S. missions, maybe another country in world missions. Do you know the thing that keeps me awake at night is that statistic you heard on the video, almost 5 billion people who have never had an adequate witness of the gospel. That bothers me. That troubles me. I know that in the 2,800 missionaries we presently have, we cannot accomplish what needs to be accomplished. We need workers. Every single Wednesday when our team gets together back in Springfield, we pray for workers. We intercede for workers. And so this morning, as you've heard these words, you've heard these challenges, you've heard that anything I have I can give to be used in missions, I wonder if there might be those of you, first of all, who would say, I'm willing. I'm willing to go anywhere. I just want to raise my hand to say, Jesus, that's me. You want me to go across the seas? I'll go. I'll leave it all, and I will go. Are you here? Is God speaking that to your heart this morning? Would you just lift your hand? I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to make you sign anything. I just want you to show Jesus that you're willing to respond to the call. Yes, thank you. Yes, I see several hands going up. Praise God. I don't want ever this to be just an emotional, oh, I heard a speaker, and I'm all... I I really want you to know that God is touching your heart. As you've raised your hand, then, I want you to find one of the leaders of the church and just share what you feel God is doing in in your heart. And can I ask another question for those of you, maybe you're not the one to go, but, boy, you can pray. And, boy, do we need prayer. I need prayer for sure. I have some prayer cards out there if you... Wouldn't mind picking up one of those or one of our cards to pray for the international ministries. Could I see if there are some volunteers here who will say, I will pray, Joanne, for you, for international ministries. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then in a few moments, the pastor is going to come and just ask you about giving as well. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, this sacred and holy opportunity to be able to share missions with this amazing group of people, Lord. Thank you for what they're already doing. Lord, I just pray that out of what they give, you will return to them abundantly, and running over, Lord. I pray, God, that this church connecting point will become such a lighthouse in this community that people will just be flooding in these doors to find what the source of that light is. And, Lord, as we go out of these doors, can we be the light in our communities, in our workplaces, in our marketplaces, Lord, to share your name with those around us. I commit this church to you knowing you are going to do great things. I commit Pastor Maddox and Shelley to you, Lord, knowing you are going to do great things through them as well. And I thank you for their heart and their service. In Jesus' name, amen. Gracias.